Welcome to the Monday, January 15th edition of the PFF Forecast. This is a special Monday night edition because we had two games today in Super Wild Card Weekend. We'll be guessing the lines for the divisional round. We're also going to do some head coach predictions. Will Sirianni keep his job? Where do we think certain people are going to land? It is going to be a great show. The divisional round, these are some of the best matchups I've seen in quite a long time. Um, it's going to be great. Let's rock. I'm sure that there are a lot of very sad Philadelphia Eagles fans out there. Um, Brad, you've prepared a lovely, um, very short, uh, 20 or so minute uh, expose on what a blitz is. Um, very excited for this. Uh, where would you like to start? Yeah, a hot route isn't just like when, when a, a route is sexy and, and it's looking spicy out there. A hot route is what you do when you know there's pressure coming because Todd Bowles dials up a blitz, I don't know, half the time uh, it seems like in these playoff matchups. And what you do is you throw the ball quickly to a a predetermined route or you know you, you have extra protection kept in. Uh, it, I mean, it was nuts. It was like – like, and it's been a problem for the last like month too. The, the people have been writing full articles about it, uh, and they just never adjusted to it. Yeah, I talked it was, about it like a month ago. Actually, um, I put out a tweet. So like a month ago, Hertz was averaging a negative point oh three or point three EPA per dropback, which is like bottom ten in the league. Thirty seven point five percent success success rate against Cover Zero, which is like horrible. He also faced the most number of Cover Zero dropbacks. So like defensive coordinators like saw this weakness and like have been pounding it for most of the season. And I mean, you know, I'm not the biggest Todd Bowles fan, but I thought he had a great game plan today. And, and yeah, it's like, I feel like every time they send a blitz, not even a cover zero, just a blitz. Hertz was just like, like he was just pedaling back and back and it was just like throw it off his back foot. It's like every route on a, on a blitz is like 10 plus yards down the field when it should be like slants or, yeah. or like a, a hitch or something like you want to get the ball out quick, not throw it deep. It reminded me of um, so a little history. I was I was homeschooled until high school, and I I went to high school started second semester freshman year, and the language that I took was Latin, and uh, I remember my first class second semester of Latin, and I was like, oh, <laughs> I've got a steep learning curve. I have no idea what's going on. Watching Jalen Hurts try and beat a blitz was I imagine how I felt trying to figure out Latin, having absolutely no idea what was going on. It was like the dude had no answers to the test, had no clue what was going on. Um, it, it was honestly tough to watch. And, and I think that's where, I guess my question to you guys, like, so Sirianni, how much blame, let's do a little blame pie. How much blame goes on Sirianni for that? Because we can talk about the Patricia decision all we want. Uh, certainly, I think Troy Aikman nailed it. Um, seemed like a very poor decision. Uh, they played worse teams after and were not any better defensively uh, with with my guy, Matt Patricia. But the offense is where Sirianni, you know, really should be in control. Brad, start with you. How much blame on their inability to, to figure out a blitz or have any plan for the blitz goes on, uh, goes on Sirianni? 
Massive amount. I mean, they didn't convert a third or fourth down the entire game. I think they were 0 for 11 or 0 for 12. Uh, and I get – so Brian Johnson, I believe, is the play caller, is the offensive coordinator, and he's a you know well-traveled guy that I think will be a head coach in this league at some point, deservedly so, guessing maybe not this cycle. Um, but when you transition from a guy in Steichen who had called plays for multiple teams and was clearly a hotshot coordinator, we've gone on to see that now – you should be even more involved than in the past. And 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 uh, Johnson had not called plays at the NFL level. He did call plays in college at a couple stops. Um, but this is a brand-new play caller at the NFL level. So, yeah, like it's obviously not just Nick Sirianni, but like Arjun's talking about, it. he's identifying tendencies in week 14. <laughs> and like so, – so, so if – let's say if Johnson's not doing the correct thing, then Sirianni needs to step in. Look, at the end of the day, it's your side of the ball. You're the head coach of the football team. Um, and, and so, yeah, a, a massive amount, a massive amount. And there, there was a good tweet from, you know, the guy, the honest NFL on Twitter, who obviously worked for the Eagles at some point. Uh, and he was just like, there's a system and a scheme. And it, to me, like scheme is like, here's the plays we run or, or, you know, the style we run. The system is like, when we see this look, we can check into this, these plays, or we can check into this protection. Like, and what he's saying is, like, it's not a specific, like, this play. It's more of just like a, here's our counter or here's our answer to different things we see at a, like, fundamental level. And he's like, I, I, I don't know what their system is. Like, I don't know what I don't know what their answers to the test are, so to speak. Um, but, yeah, anyway. Yeah, I think the best way of putting it is, like, I feel like the Eagles run their offense like they're a top Big Ten program, which is, like, we're just going to like, we're just better than you. We have a great roster and we're just going to beat you. Like we have good players. We know they can win one-on-one, but once one of those players leave, once one of the most important players, probably the most important player in AJ Brown leaves, I mean, their target share is just Dallas Goddard and Devontae Smith. And you just can't win like that. You just can't. And I think, um, I mean, this is what the blitz issue is not just a one-year thing. Like this happened last year as well. When I remember I was previewing the Super Bowl between Chiefs Eagles and Hertz had like a below average EPA per drop back versus the blitz even last year. And they did nothing to really rectify that. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a pretty big Sirianni issue and, and changing play callers. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I haven't been a Brian Johnson fan much at all. I mean, there were times where he was calling wide receiver screens to Julio Jones and today even he was calling wide receiver screens like down 16 in the fourth quarter. And I'm like, no dude, you got to throw the ball down the field. So yeah, I think, I think Sirianni deserves a good amount of blame and and he just never really fixed any of the issues that were underlying from their offense in 2022. Uh, Jalen Hurts 6.7 yards per attempt against the blitz this year. Uh, 16 sacks taken. Zach Wilson, 6.6. Yards per attempt against the blitz. Uh, Is that bad? 30, yeah, not great. Um, now, Zach Wilson took a few more sacks, but I think the point remains: like the guys at the top of the league, consistently destroy the blitz. Like this is something I know we have a very uh, knowledgeable listenership here that that generally knows these things. But against the blitz, you expect good quarterbacks to be more efficient. Like mm-hmm. the the you always were terrified of blitzing Tom Brady. Like you never blitz Patrick Mahomes, right? Like these guys will carve you up. CJ Stroud been amazing this year against the blitz. Um, you know, Jordan Love been very good against the blitz. Um, and so it is concerning that you don't have an answer for the blitz. And I think that does have to go on, on Sirianni. Okay. Um, let's, let's do two questions here. Would you fire Sirianni? And then second, do you think Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie can? 
Or if you want to go ahead, Arjun, I, I'll, I'll go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, I, I would fire Sirianni. Um, I, I just you can't show up to a playoff game like that and just get embarrassed. Um, you know, like, like I said, I think Todd Bowles had a pretty good game plan, but to get out coached by Todd Bowles and you know that kind of like and in all pretty much all facets of the game none of the players really seemed like they cared about this game or you know the tackling was awful that's a head coaching issue if it's an effort issue like that's the head coach not being able to kind of get the players fired up to play and i would you know i think he's done some good things last year he's obviously great in the game management department but like this is also maybe the best hiring cycle we've ever seen from a head coaching standpoint and if sirianni's not calling the plays and if, if all he's good for is game management like Eagles have a pretty robust analytics department. Like I feel like they'd be able to find someone who can take the game management responsibilities, but also just add more in the coaching department. And there's so many good coaches out there that I think can, can do that. So yeah, I, I would let go of Sirianni. I think, you know, Sean Desai didn't have a great defense, but the, the second round, second wave coordinator hirings were horrible um, or not horrible. They were not good. And, and he just never found a way to kind of overcome that in the second half of the year. So the only thing I would say is it, it is a good hiring cycle. There's obviously, um, you know, like a, a, almost 10 teams now looking for head coaches, which obviously will fill some of those spots. And Philly is always going to be a desirable spot. People want to work for Jeffrey Lurie, want to work with Howie Roseman, um, you know, running the show from a personnel standpoint. I just feel like they're going to go heavy after some some coordinator spots, pay probably, you know, low-end head coach money to some coordinators out there, maybe on both sides of the ball, get very, very aggressive there. And, and then for me, it comes down to like, has Sirianni lost the locker room? Because I think we were talking pre-show not on the show. Like this wasn't, we can get it. We could talk X's and O's forever. It was part of it. I mean, this team did not want to play. Like this team showed up and had no juice. Like this is the most juiceless Eagles team I've ever seen. That Not a single guy that was the first tackle to the ball made a tackle. The blocking was not good. Not only in pass pro, like it, there, there were times where, um, like second level blocking for DeAndre Swift, there was an initial hole, and then the second level, the guys just like weren't really staying on their guys. Like it was just, it was a lazy effort, and I wonder if that's because guys are sick of Nick Sirianni. So, but if not, you know, I get it. But it's all right. The guy made a Super Bowl last year, and then started ten and one, and it was a fraudulent ten and one. But like, I don't want to be too overreactionary. But but they definitely need to fire Matt Patricia to Jupiter. That that is for sure. Do you think that so you wouldn't fire him? Do you think they let him go? At this point, I think anything's on the table. I mean, that was embarrassing. Um, and I, but I think it would be if they had a specific name in mind. Like I think when Atlanta did it, I think we saw during the game. Bill Belichick interviewed today. I, when something gets out about Bill Belichick, I think it's for a reason. I think Mike Vrabel, like if that type of guy, and Philly's like, let's just go get a you know like a, like a legit guy like that. Um, and look, I guess Sirianni was an outside the box hire. Like that could be them hiring Dave Canales, who just kicked their ass for sixty minutes. Like, uh, but but I I think this uh, this situation in particular would more so to me be like, let's just go get a, a proven, established, variable type guy um, because he came available. We didn't expect that. Yeah, I'm very torn because I really do like Sirianni, and some of his decisions um, are very very concerning. I think it is a tough spot to be in when you lose both your coordinators, your young coach, and you're you're trying to empower them as best you can. I would lean ever so slightly towards keeping him. Um, I think it's hard to find good young coaches that you can build a, a franchise around. So pending he has not lost the locker room, which is a debate as to what that actually means, I would keep him. I think they're going to let him go. 
I think they're going to let him go. I, it, everything, I mean, good point in the chat about them getting rid of Doug Peterson. Um, you know, they fired Doug Peterson. So like anything's on the table. Um, and, uh, it's, it's about how they lost that game. It was honestly maybe more embarrassing than, uh, than the Cowboys. Um, let's, let's wrap up here real quick with this Brad, assuming Mike McCarthy is out. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd be shocked if he's not. There, there, you had an interesting tidbit about what Jason Garrett said about it uh, before. The yeah, show. Garrett was talking last night on NBC uh, for those wondering why it hasn't broken already. And he was like, look, Jerry kind of has the let's a cooler head prevail initially. He'll come out of the locker room. He'll like be supportive. Thank guys for contributing for the year. Like he will be very level headed about it. And he's like, and then like 48 hours later, you don't want to hear from Jerry. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just like. I think I do think that the McCarthy thing sometimes goes too far. I mean, that playoff game was embarrassing. I would say it's worse because it was at home, whereas at least the Eagles, uh, you know, I know home road is a joke. I mean, everyone thought Dallas was going to win that game or cover the spread because they played at home, uh, which was funny. Um, but uh, and, and they got womp. But like like McCarthy, like he's not terrible. I don't know if he's going to get hired ten seconds later. But I, I just I, I think Jerry's going to go a different direction. Which I think that would be like. No, it's not funny to see people get fired, but that would mean the only coach that didn't get fired from the NFC East is Brian Dable. And I'm not sure if you guys read, there was like an article that came out today from the New York Daily News, and it just talked about how, uh, it, like, honestly, like, it just made Dable seem like such a bad coach. Uh, it had, you know, it was basically in feuds with Wink Martindale during the game. He would say, that, like, there would be a game where it's like, the, the Giants had 10 points and he would blame Wink for allowing the Jets to score at the end of overtime. It was, it was such a bad look. And it d- doesn't sound like he lost the locker room, but like players went to bat for Wink and I didn't really see much positivity for Dable. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he you can't really just fire a coach of the year one year later. But, um, yeah, I thought that was something to note. Just real quick, if you want to know why it took Dable so long to get this job and why no one's surprised, just Google Brian Dable, Colt McCoy, and go have a nice little read. And uh, you'll see why it took him a decade to get a job. <laughs> I need to refresh my memory on that story. I will say we are like just six weeks away from a three-part hit piece about uh, noted Al-Qaeda supporter Sean McDermott. So anything is possible. <laughs> anything is possible. You can resuscitate your career uh, no matter what comes out about you. Um, okay, let's do some uh, some quick predictions here. Um, let's start with, uh, I'm guessing we all think Argent's Chargers are going to grab Harbaugh. Is there any fire there, Brad? I think it's going to get done. Um, I, I just think the big thing that, that I think is going to change the calculus here, I think Arjun will like to hear this. I don't know if it's true per se. Obviously, you know, you lose him for Michigan, which is tough. But I think what's going to push it over the finish line is Harbaugh is actually going to relent on having control over the 53 or final say over the 53, which is in contracts. I think he's going to relent there. And, like, I get why he wants it. And, honestly, he probably has a right to ask for it. But, look, John Harbaugh doesn't have it, never has. Ozzie Newsom had it. Now now Eric DaCosta has it. So I think that's going to be the deciding factor. Um, and I think he's going to get it. I think they're going to get that done. Who's the GM? Argent. I think it'll be Ian Cunningham. Yeah. I'm curious what Arjun thinks. Yeah, I think it'll be Cunningham, which they haven't really done a huge search, honestly, for their GM. So, Cunningham is, is someone who's worked under Howie. He worked with the Ravens for a couple of years, so he has ties to John Harbaugh. 
Um, and then they're also interviewing Ed Dodds, who's the assistant GM from the Colts. And I, I know him and Harbaugh have a connection. I forget where it's from. Um, I think it was the Raiders initially, like like, like yeah, twenty yeah, years was, ago, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was the Raiders, and and interestingly enough, Dodds is interviewing with the Raiders also for their GM yeah. job. Um, so yeah, I think it's it probably is, is going to be Cunningham, and you know we'll we'll see what how good he is. Uh, Cowboys, it's so fresh. I, I mean, I I think Bill's going to be Atlanta, so I don't want to give them Bill. I Arjun, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna guess Ray roll. Yeah, I'll go with Raves. I like that one. Yeah, that's that's my guess as well. Um, and I I love the Belichick Atlanta. I think that's that that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, do you think Jerry? Do you think Bill chooses Atlanta? I think it's a mutual respect and and interest there. I think the funny thing is we forget like Thomas Dimitrov and Scott Pioli ran that building for 15 years and they both came from the Patriots. Like there's a there's a deep seated connection there. They probably set up their scouting department during that period uh, to kind of model and reflect that setup. So and obviously a Dan Quinn and and different coaches that maybe changed how that looked. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I think there's mutual interest. I, we talked about he has, he has real estate in Nashville, which is like three and a half hours away. He's probably interested in that part. Of and frankly, if I'm him, I know the quarterback isn't there, but like good O-line, good weapons, good defense, and you have the eighth overall pick, you probably go get like a Jimmy G and then draft like a, you know, whatever, the third quarterback on the board. Um, I, I, there's enough there that I think it's appealing because I don't know who else is. I mean, I guess Dallas, but, you know, he's not going to like Carolina. Like he's, it's got to be somewhat ready-made. I think there is a mutual respect between Bill Belichick and Jerry Jones, but I'm not sure that means they want to work together. Yeah. Like, like, I, you know, it's like you can have mutual respect for someone. I don't know if Jerry Jones and Bill Belichick work like it just, whereas Arthur blank is much more of a behind the scenes support your guy sort of situation. Like Jerry Jones is out there talking like doing yeah. weekly radio shows. Like I just, <laughs> I can't see that and the Belichick way of doing things like actually uh, makes sense. So I agree with that. I think Rabel's the right personality there. I will say this though. I believe there is a desire from Jerry Jones after having, remember he wanted the like Mike McCarthy solid, like veteran coach to come in there. That didn't work. I could see a desire to go swing back towards a youngster. And I think Ben Johnson, Ben Johnson has Dallas Cowboys coach face, if that makes any sense. <laughs> like it, it, you can see it on the sideline. I feel like Jerry will see that. Uh, ben Johnson is my, my choice for, uh, for the Cowboys. Um, Raiders. Raiders, uh, do we think that's Antonio Pierce? I think they're going to lock it in. Yeah, I mean, Max Crosby... Pretty pretty wild for him to just be like, yeah, I'm going to demand a trade if, if they don't hire him. But hey, good, good. players what exerting leverage. If he, if you're him, it's like I get that you want to hire some big name, but you the first guy you hired got fired for racist emails, mm -hmm. and the second guy you hired that we ran him out of here and, and sparked up Stogies 20 games into his tenure. So like, mm -hmm. just keep the guy we all like. So anyway, yes, I think it'll be Antonio Pierce. Where does Vrabel end up? Dallas. You think Dallas too? Or I, I guess the question is like if you if you're talking about how Belichick is going to fight butt heads with Jerry about not not just like the public persona stuff, but like the 53 man 
roster control. I mean, Rabel had issues with ownership and he wanted 53 men roster control after John Robinson got fired last year. And he wasn't a fan of hiring Rand Carthon, who didn't let Vrabel have roster control. So I, I'm, I don't know that that one could like, I think Vrabel makes sense. And I think he is someone who can maximize a lot of the talent they have on their roster. But yeah, the, I think the roster control thing is, is something that we should think about more. Uh, the Raiders Ryan. would actually make a lot of sense for him if yes. it weren't for the Pierce situation. I think that would be a perfect fit. But yeah, yeah. I actually think that Vrabel is the one coach who, like, like I think Max Crosby is saying that in support of his coach. But if you brought Vrabel in, I feel like you would kind of have to respect that. Um, I like Vrabel to the Raiders. I also like Vrabel to the Seahawks. I think they're looking for a a person that can come in and establish a strong culture that needs to be a strong culture builder because you just had one in Pete Carroll. So I feel like Brable makes a lot of sense there um, in, uh, in Seattle. What do we think? I, I have a uh, feeling we're going to all be on the same page here. What about uh, our Washington commanders? You already guessed my guy, but I think Ben Johnson is, is the commies head coach uh, pretty, pretty soon here. So you don't think that the 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 Bobby Slowick is coming to Washington? Because I'm here. It would make a ton of sense with Adam Peters. He's obviously yep. you know coming off a phenomenal playoff game. Uh, yeah, no, I I just think it's going to be Bob and John. Yeah, I mean, no, no, it's that's true. That's true. It's a lot there. Although he was on the staff in 2013, so you know, the, like the graphic gets gets fired up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, br- you bring back the prodigal son. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, I, I really like Slowick to Washington. Find a way to get, you know, Caleb Williams somehow. Um, although my dark horse for you, Brad, I, I slacked this to Brad this morning because I'm ruthless. I'm absolutely ruthless. Cowboys blow it up completely. They trade Dak to the Bears, go up to number one, and grab Caleb. Uh, Caleb becomes a Cowboy. and. Brad gets 10 years of Dakota Prescott in, uh, in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously I don't want that. All I mean, Dak would immediately be the best. It would immediately be the best court bears quarterback of all time by a mile. Um, I mean, look, you thought you could hurt me with a joke hypothetical. And then in the real world, the bears interviewed Gregory T Roman in the, <laughs> you know, today for the offensive coordinator job. So like it, it, truth is, is harsher than fiction. Uh, we, you know, but anyway, I, I, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what goes on there. I've liked most of the interviews. Uh, let's not, let's not hire Greg Roman now. All right. Where does Mike McDonald end up? So I put together predictions like, like last week and I literally could not figure out where he should go. Um, like I, I like just legit couldn't find a place. Like I could see, uh, I could see the Titans maybe, um, like I could see, like if the Eagles let uh let Sirianni go, I could see him going to the Eagles. I think that'd be like an analytically savvy move. Um, and you know, Eagles and Ravens kind of have that like uh pipeline in some ways. Like they always like you know have guys that work in both front offices and coaching mm-hmm. coaching wise. So yeah, I would you know Eagles or tight ends would be my two guesses. It's interesting with these last openings, and obviously we are supportive in support of this theory at its core but mcdonald i think is an elite coach and probably an outlier but like carolina has made it clear they want to go offense when's the last time philadelphia had a defensive head coach the 80s 
Mm-hmm. Uh, like they, cause Jer- Jeffrey Lurie and they, they've been at, you know, at the forefront of that as well. Um, who else did you just mention? The, uh, Titans. Titans, I think was that they kind of make sense to me because they obviously I don't think they're hell bent on a on a side of the ball. Um, he brings a ton of juice to like you probably through Michigan or whatever. Like, um, like he he's an energy guy too. So anyway, I just it's weird. A lot of the final openings they skew offense. Like I think Carolina, if they strike out on everybody else, should just try to hire him. Like he's clearly an elite candidate, but they might just be hell bent on offense, 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 maximizing Bryce Young. Which I get, but Seattle, I think, is an interesting one, depending on where Vrabel ends up. Um, I, I could see that as well. Um, McDonald. All right, it is. Uh, it is about that time. It is divisional round. Guess the lines time. I think this is my favorite round uh, of the playoffs. You get four elite matchups. Obviously, conference championship, Super Bowl, fantastic. But you get Saturday and Sunday. It's really fantastic. Um, by the way, if you're like, if there is a weekend to go to Vegas to watch the games, I think this is the weekend. Um, before we get there, a couple of things to uh, to note. Prize Picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, where we are the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. It's very easy. Here's how it works. You pick more or less on a particular player or stat. You pick for two or more players between two and six, pick more or less, and then you can get paid up to, I think it's like 20X your uh, your buy-in. So it is super easy, very uh, great app to use. You can go to pricepicks.com slash forecast, use the code forecast to get a first deposit match of up to $100. We are about to talk about a lot of different things that we like uh, in this upcoming week. So you can fire that up and get ready to rock on PrizePicks. is the only daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance policy which means if you have a player that gets injured in the first half and does not return in the second, you have, that player gets rebooted. Um, so they're incredibly player-friendly. Go to pricefix.com slash forecast. Use the code forecast for a first deposit match of up to $100. Um, make sure that you uh, pick more, pick less. It's that easy at PriceFix. Also, uh, it is 2024, which means there's a lot of things that you need to figure out about your life, like get your taxes done. Um, you have, I don't know, a couple of months here. So hopefully everyone listening to this podcast can make that happen. It's a good time to get your life in order and Fabric by Gerber Life makes it simple to protect your family's financial future so you can focus on what's ahead, like the divisional round playoffs, which is honestly where you need your, your head in the game at. So if you have a family, you need to get great term life insurance to protect them. It's one of the smartest financial decisions you can make and start the new year in a good state of mind. Fabric is super easy. It takes you 10 minutes to go from uninsured to having an affordable term life insurance policy. It's very, very simple. And here's how you do it. You go to M-E-E-T fabric f-a-b-r-i-c dot com slash forecast it's that easy m-e-e-t fabric.com slash forecast and in just 10 minutes you can be on your way to having a safe and secure family policies issued by western southern life insurance company not available in certain states prices subject to underwriting and health questions all right the divisional round we have two games on saturday let me uh let me pull up the sheet here the first game uh, is Houston at Baltimore. This is going to be on ESPN. Um, they get a nice uh, couple of games here, get a divisional round game. And uh, here we go. So, Brad, why don't you kick us off? Houston at Baltimore. What do we think? Ravens minus eight and a half. Oh, and Ravens minus nine. Wow. 
You guys love the Ravens. I could not get it above seven. Uh, I oh, went wow. Ravens by seven. Now, remember, what was this game? What it uh, They played week one. This was like Ravens by like, was it 12 and a half, I want to say? Let's see. Um, anyways, it, DraftKings has it at nine and a half. FanDuel has it at eight and a half. Um, we will call it, uh, I think nine and a half is the, is the predominant favorite here. So we will call it nine and a half. Um, we just talked about Mike McDonald. Um, so I, you guys are, are pretty on the money. I, I'm going to take Houston here. I like getting nine and a half points. Um, I know that Baltimore kicked the crap out of the Niners. Similar type of offense. I know they're super well-rested. Um, CJ Stroud isn't quite the better quarterback getting points, but he's damn close and getting nine and a half to me. Um, it's just a lot. It's a lot. Um, so I, I, I see the reason why it's nine and a half. It makes sense, but, uh, I will take CJ Stroud getting close to 10 points. It's pretty wild. I know there's been injuries and we've obviously learned a lot about Baltimore too. The spread week one was nine and a half. Yeah. In, in Houston. In Houston, sure, but like coming into this, year, we thought they were going to pick top five. Like yeah, even if you yeah. even if you liked CJ Stroud as a prospect, I don't know. I think it's kind yeah. of interesting. That that was that was my take on this, right? Like I yeah. was thinking back to this, and I was like, I remember because I took Baltimore in yeah. Circus Survivor, <laughs> and I remember watching that game. We talked about it on the podcast after. Like I know they covered. But it wasn't like particularly convincing. And of course, Houston goes on to kind of figure it out. And they've gotten, I would say, multiple points better from that point. So this was in Baltimore, actually, week one. Was so, it? Yeah. So the spread hasn't changed. They're basically, you wow. know, I guess, like upgraded both teams. Um, wow. You agree with that, Archie? Uh, I mean, you had it at nine. Uh, right? you. Like, I mean, I, I think the, the bye week is going to be big. Um, I do. I am going to ask the question if uh, the better quarterback is getting points here, <laughs> which I was two for two last week with uh, mm -hmm. Baker over Hurts mm -hmm. and Love over Dak. And I'm going to ask it again because, I mean, Stroud is literally just shredded every coverage. I think the one thing that might give me pause here, Noah Brown, who, you know, maybe isn't the biggest playmaker, but he's out for this game. So now you're looking at like a wide receiver room of, Nico Collins, who's amazing. And then you have like Robert Woods, who's like a wide receiver for uh, Xavier Hutchinson, John Mechie. And one of the things the Ravens just do a great job of is like they are able to take away your number one option. And while I do think Stroud can handle the pressures and the, and the, and the blitz looks that McDonald is going to present, I just don't have enough faith in the Texans supporting cast outside of Collins to bet this. Uh, yeah, the, I mean, the better quarterback getting points thing, I don't want to go there. But C.J. Stroud is as good as – I mean, like, on any given Sunday is as good as any quarterback in the NFL. I'm very comfortable saying that. I don't think it's going to be some, like, oh, defenses watch his film from his rookie season and adjust next year, and he, like, like it, it drops off. Maybe maybe a little bit, but um, I'm going to stay away. I don't, I'm not going to – I'm trying not to overreact to a blowout. Uh, I think the spread does make sense. I'm a little surprised it's the same as week one, um, but, yeah. The, the Houston Texans defense, I think, has been surprisingly good. Um, they have three corners, all with a top 27 PFF grade. Stingley is our fifth highest graded corner. The Ravens uh, receivers have been good. 
Um, so I think this is a good matchup in that respect. Um, and I'll be interested if they put Will Anderson, Jonathan Grenard has actually played well. Lonnie Stanley has, has struggled over there at left tackle. So I don't think this is just a slam dunk. Like, I think this is going to be a battle. So nine and a half just feels like, like too many points. Um, all right. But I'm the only one with the uh, cojones to take CJ Stroud. Let it be known. San Francisco hosts Green Bay. I don't think there is a sink. You could not define top of the market without a picture of the 2023 Green Bay Packers right now. This is the top of the market for the Green Bay Packers. Since week 10, no quarterback in the NFL has a higher PFF passing grade than Jordan Love. By the way, the second highest passing grade over that time period is Brock Purdy. 91.8 for Love, 91 for Brock Purdy. So this is a matchup of the two best quarterbacks in the NFL since week 10. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb here and say the one with the higher grade is getting points in this game. Brad, what did you make this? Yeah, this is also like if you want to be half facetious, half not. If you want to wait for the spread to maybe move, just let get up air uh, from yes. Tuesday to Friday uh, because it'll just be showing highlights of this game on repeat. Uh, anyway, I went nine and a half here. I couldn't get to full 10, uh, but I went nine and a half. Yeah, I also went nine and a half here. I uh, went a full 10. I was pretty confident this is what the spread was going to be. Um, it is 10. Um, I wanted to make this 10 and a half. I really did. Um, this is th th like if this were Aaron Rodgers, I, this is almost um, like heresy to say. If this were Aaron Rodgers and, and the Green Bay Packers, like, I'm put. I'm buying all the nine results. I mean, they, they owned this Aaron Rodgers team. There's something that feels a little different about this Green Bay team, and I think for me, what it really is, I, Jordan Love has a ton of athleticism. He's got such a strong arm, so he really is able to make plays that other quarterbacks should not. And I think the kicker here is that their super super deep receiving core, all of these guys separate well. So, you know, he has options to make to make some throws. That said, I'm very tempted. I, I really want to fade Green Bay at the tippity top of the market. The Niners have rested, by the way, for two straight weeks. So they have an extra amount of rest and they own that. I mean, you're telling me Joe Barry versus Kyle Shanahan isn't the biggest mismatch in the playoffs thus far. Like, is it not? The thing too with with like the receivers getting separation. I mean, they also like. I mean, Matt Lafleur, what he did to Dan Quinn in, in that game, like in under two and a half seconds, had guys twenty yards uh, like of separation. I, and I wonder if that is going to happen against this Niners defense. A, I think they'll get more quick pressure. Um, and, but just B, they know the principles. They know what Lafleur is probably trying to accomplish. You know, Shanahan, Shanahan obviously infamously quoted like. Yeah, I wanted to be Dan Quinn's OC, or, you know, OC so I could just learn how to beat his defense. Um, and obviously, you know, has done that since. It, it is a lot of points, and, and the Packers are cooking. But like you said, it is the absolute top of the market. Like a month ago, we were wondering if this team was any good. Uh, and, and now, like, you know, they look like a juggernaut against Dallas. But um, I guess I'm staying away again. I'm, I'm continuing to be a coward. If anything, no, I would, I would lean Niners here. I just think the end of the road has to come at some point for this Green Bay team. Uh, thoughts on Niners team total over 30? Because I think that's what the implied team total is. 
think that's too many points. I don't think it's too many. Joe Barry still exists. Yeah. And I mean, how long, is Joe Barry, how long has Joe Barry been the defensive coordinator for the Packers? Probably like four or five years. Okay. Yeah, four years Let's, now. I encourage people to go look at what Kyle Shanahan has done to Joe Barry in the Packers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This has been like, I know they have played well recently, but like, this is an enormous mismatch, like, enormous. Um, I really think it comes down to so Arjun, I think what you're getting at is like the Niners scoring points feels inevitable. And I agree with that. Um, I, I think that is inevitable. It really comes down to me is what sort of faith do we have in the pat in, in the Packers to score on the Niners and comparing and contrasting the Niners to the Cowboys? The the Packers were able to take huge advantage. You called this out immediately, Arjun. They ran a ton of 12 personnel. And the, and the Cowboys matched it with dime and just got eaten alive. And then their the defensive backs, you know, forgot that they shouldn't have taken shrooms before the game and were found on different planets when, when they ran passing plays. The Niners don't have to do that. They have linebackers that can cover. They'll be able to bring those guys in, I think, stop the run decently well um, and, uh, you know, play a very different game than Dallas, which – so I think the question is, do you think Green Bay can score on San Francisco? The thing, so I mean, first of all, like I've just thirty-three on Dallas. There's a clip against the, on the Aaron Jones rushing touchdown. Like, brother, I don't know what you were doing. Uh, the, the difference with Dallas and, and that they don't have linebackers. They literally do not have linebackers on their roster. And it goes right. to um, the Ravens against the same offense, and then this matchup as well. Or then you have a Fred Warner, um, you know, uh, and, and Dre Greenlaw. Even the depth pieces there at linebacker, like. They they're not going to attack the middle of the field the same way. I think they'll score to a degree, but also they have they have a, a second a seventh round twenty twenty two left tackle, a fourth round twenty twenty two right tackle that have been awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just I would I would like team total more than I would go for the over here of fifty, which is pretty high. Like they'll find a way to score I think here or there, but yeah, I, th- this matchup is way way worse than Dan Quinn's defense that literally like we talk about personnel issues. Um, just not adjusting at all the entire game. Um, you know, obviously Jordan Love, Matt LaFleur did a lot, but how many touchdowns were just walk in wide open of, of the ones they score? Like two or three of them of the five they scored in the first, you know, three quarters. So, yeah. Team yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to take that actually just team total over 30 and a half. What's, what's the, do you see a first half team total? Uh, let me see. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, no. Sorry. 14 and a half. That's interesting to me. That's a tough number, though. You're not getting the two touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I, I like the team total. I, I am going to... Uh, I'm going to stay away from this one uh, as much as I dearly want to bet the 49ers. But... Worries me a little bit. Too much rest. Too much rest. Too rested. <laughs> rest versus rust, guys. Rest versus rust. Uh, is Jair going to be okay for this one, Brad? What do you think? Oh yeah. All right. Sunday on NBC and streaming on Peacock. Let it be known, I watched the game last night on Peacock just for fun, just to be like an extra minute and a half behind, and it was great. It was glorious. 
Uh, Tampa Bay and Detroit, the matchup we all have been waiting for. I went lines by four and a half. I went lines by, by seven. Wow, a lot of difference here. Uh, I went lines by seven as well. Um, I struggled with this one, to be honest, though. Uh, why am I not seeing this on here? I'm seeing six and a half. Six. Yes. Six on DraftKings. Six and a half. We'll call it six. Um, interesting. So, uh, obviously, when they when these two teams played, they played in Tampa Bay, right? Yeah. I believe. Um, this is an interesting matchup, right? Tampa Bay did a very good job stopping the run, has done a very good job of doing that all season. That's obviously one of Detroit's strong suits. Um, you know, again, you're buying Tampa at the at the tippity top of the market um, in in this situation. To me, the fact that Jared Goff was able to get over the the hump against the Rams, I feel like you play a little free and easy in this game. You've got you know you've won one, um, so I could really see them just kind of lighting up lighting up Tampa Bay here. They definitely could. I don't hate the over, I suppose. I, I'm just sitting here thinking, that, I mean, the Rams, what, they scored um, the red zone trips. They didn't score a single time. They uh, yeah. missed, missed, missed a field goal, I want to say, at one point. Sean McVay just was bungling game management at a Mike McCarthy level uh, right. throughout the entire game. Um, so, like, and, and the Lions won by a point, right? So, like even even if McVeigh just calls a better third down play on third and four or third and fourteen uh, to get into field goal range, we could be t- it could be twenty six twenty four mm-hmm. L A. So, but now I see the total forty eight and a half. I think both teams are going to score. I, we know you can get explosive pass plays against Todd Bowles mm-hmm. if he brings pressure too against this offensive line and a Jared Goff that you know is not great when when pressure gets home, but I think can throw into the blitz, can make good decisions, and to his credit, honestly. Hasn't been as much of a pumpkin, more of a gourd than a pumpkin this year against against pressure. Um, and the flip side too, like I, I think I like Luke Gadecki and, and Tristan Wirfs against Aiden Hutchinson. Um, yeah, over forty eight and a half, I, I think is how I'm going to play this. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I like the Lions here. Um, like George said, I think you're getting the Bucks at the top of the market and. I mean, I, I think Todd, like, like I said earlier in the episode, I think Todd Bowles had a pretty good game plan today. But again, like when this was minus three in, in Tampa, that was like one of my biggest bets of the season, just because it's like you're betting on one of the best coaching staffs and with the or at least offensive coaching staffs with the Lions against the Bucks. The one thing that obviously does give me pause, the Lions defense is really bad, especially their pass defense. And for, you know, I was a little bit surprised, like Canales was like throwing the ball on early downs like there wasn't a run heavy a game like one of the props I wrote up was Rashad White over 16 and a half attempts, which got there, but like it was a kind of a sweat. And so if Canales does kind of commit to the pass, I, I think the Bucks could cover, but I think, you know, I I struggle to see that he continues it because it, it's not something that I've really seen from him. So I'm going to take the Lions here, just bet on the better coaching staff, even though maybe the better quarterback is getting points in this game as well. Real quick. Oh, wow. Uh, Jared Goof, <laughs> hate continues. Um, the, the fourth and two, when they went for it, uh, I thought was surprising too. And like Bowles, that's just like you never see that from Todd Bowles. Yeah. Uh, and that was still when the game was within within reach for either team. Uh, I'm talking about the fourth and two, like shuffle pass to, to Rashad White on the left side that, that converted. But anyway, yeah, you're right. I mean, it shouldn't just rely on one game, but Canales is cooking in this game. 
I, I'm going to pass on this because I'm going to put all of my money into Mike Evans overs in this game. Yeah, that's a good bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every single alt I can find for Mike Evans, I am going in uh, on this game. Had a couple of drops in this game. Was wide open all game long. Um, Cam Sutton, uh, PFF grade of 55.6. Um, the great Kindle Amazon Vildor combination of, of Amazon and uh, a J.R. Tolkien novel uh, has a 55.7 PFF grade. Uh, so it is like Mike Evans, again, most underrated receiver in the league, uh, I think, um, puts on a show in, in, Cal- in the house that Calvin Johnson built. Um, you talked about a blitzing too. Aaron Glenn was blitzing Matthew Stafford like crazy in the first half yeah. of that game, which made no sense. And if he does it again, I think Baker is going to throw it to Mike Evans like every time. Yeah. Every single time. Um, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm laying off and I'm putting all of, all of my capital into that. Okay. Sunday night. Uh, fantastic game. This was destined Kansas city, Buffalo this time at the great high mark. Stadium in Buffalo. Brad, would you make this? I went full three. Bills minus a field goal. Couldn't get to three. Went Bills by two and a half. Neither could I. Now, part of that was because the Bills got banged up. I am curious, Brad, what your view is. Uh, Kansas City seemed to get out of that game pretty unscathed. Buffalo, less a day of rest and getting banged up. What, What are the injuries looking like? Yeah, so I guess you're right. It's two days of rest advantage uh, for Kansas City now. So, yeah, it's not good. I mean, Terrell Bernard, the linebacker who'd been big for them since uh, Matt Milano went down, was like the really bad one. He got, you know, he got carted off with it with an air cast on his leg. I assume he's not playing. Russell Douglas should be good, which I think is obviously massive, um, you know, for this Bills secondary. But yeah, I mean, I know Kyrie Elam had the pick, but the two plays before that were horrible. Um, So, so yeah, yeah. (laughs) I know Arjun was giving me shit, deservedly so. But also, you were like, I mean, that I don't. I feel like he didn't even see the ball, and he just like no. It was a weird pick. Yeah, he just it was just hit him in the hands. Like Mason Rudolph just threw it late and behind the receiver, and he turned around and just hit him in the hands. But anyway, so there's those ones. I forget who else am I missing here. I know there was. The linebackers and corners in particular. So, um, yeah, so Rasul Douglas, Benford. Yeah. I, I haven't seen anything definitive on anyone. And like I said, the one that we know, I think, is like, you know, Terrell Bernard is not going to play. Mm-hmm. Teron Johnson in the slot, I think, went out at a time, too. So most of them are question marks, but the, I think most of them could probably find their way back. Yeah. And we, and we know Douglas is playing. I mean, you very rarely get an opportunity with a total below 47 to, to tease Patrick Mahomes out to eight and a half. Um, I don't, unfortunately there's nothing that you can really tease it with um, rather unfortunately. Um, but that is something to keep in mind. Um, man, I, I mean, Brad, you're the only one that's off on this by any anything at all are you taking the bills no no um i guess i probably just didn't account for the injuries enough i, I mean you're gonna be shocked to hear this uh i know we're not uh, well you guys call them the kansas shitty chiefs now i two days extra rest all the injuries yeah. I, I mean i don't know josh allen was still josh allen a lot today but i, I think kansas city is going to go to the, another afc championship game it's just it's painful i just i wanted to fade the chiefs so badly 
they they had such an incredible matchup advantage. And then it feels like they're getting lucky is the wrong word, but like the good side of variance once again, where they get a banged up team, they get two extra days of rest. Um, man, it's it's absolutely brutal. It's brutal. Yeah. That, no, I, mean, I knew you were getting ready to jump on Buffalo. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, getting Mahomes as a dog is always intriguing. I think the thing here is, like, with Josh Allen, I mean, he's usually due for, like, one bozo play a game. But Kansas City's defense has forced, like, the least amount of – one of the lowest percentages of turnover-worthy plays this year. So I don't necessarily think that Mahomes is – or, like, uh, the Chiefs' defense is going to be able to, like, sucker Allen into a bad pick or, like, a, a bad fumble. Um, and, I, I, I mean – I think this is a game that we could see Buffalo's lack of secondary receivers kind of uh, hurt them. Uh, this could be, uh, you know, I think you're going to have Sneed shadow digs the entire game. I mean, if you're looking at props wise, like I really love Shakir. Um, and, I, you know, I, I'm curious to see what they do with McDuffie because, you know, he's kind of been their slot guy. But I don't know if they trust him on Kincaid, who's probably like six inches taller and like 30 pounds heavier. So, yeah, I would props wise, I'd be looking at Shakir just because of Chiefs man. And then Bill's having to throw the ball. Yeah, I, props to me are, are the way to play this. I don't know what Josh Allen's rushing prop is going to be, but he might have 20 carries in this game. This is their chance. <laughs> this is their chance. Like, if they don't leave it all on the freaking field in this game, that this is, you know, the dude better, like, sacrifice. He's, he's putting his body on the line. This yeah. is this is a Josh Allen legacy game right here, and um, and I think he you know especially with Snead covering Diggs with Davis being banged up, who knows if he plays or not. Um, like, you know, I, I think that's a that's an easy one, and they ran him a lot uh, against Pittsburgh. Do you Arjun, do you like Khalil Shakir if you don't know that uh James Cook's gonna get 20 first half carries? Do you still like Khalil Shakir? Because if you don't establish it, then he's not gonna break seven tackles yeah, on a play. That, so who was it that said that? Which it was Dungey, I think. Yeah, I mean not surprised that a defensive coach would say that. <laughs> I mean, you just gotta you gotta establish it. Um and, and of course you could see the tackle. They didn't want to tackle because they've been trying to tackle James Cook for a while. Um, someone said Kansas City money line. I do, I do like that. Um, sadly, uh, you know, I Kelsey, Travis Kelsey uh, looks like um, you know in, in in the original Space Jam where the NBA players get their their talents taken by the Monstars. Like that's what it looks like happened to Travis Kelsey. Like he just forgot how to play. Yeah. <laughs> Like it's funny too because like oh go ahead go ahead no all you that is uh, in in a in an ideal world like that would be the prop with all the linebackers out with the safety play from Buffalo how it's been um I mean Poyer has been fine he can cover tight ends but like that I think if you wanted to go prop on like if if we're talking props we say props is how you play this game what is your counter what what's your favorite Chiefs prop in this game Patrick Mahomes over rushing yeah that's a okay. Okay. That's that's my favorite. I I think both this is we're gonna see both quarterbacks have to put the team on their back. And um you know, Judah, by the way, in, in the chat. Um Judah today, we don't talk we talk we talk a lot about 
Judah and, and how sharp of a better he is. Judah was a completion away from a 500K parlay hit tonight. Okay. Like, yeah. Anyways, um, shout out to our guy. But what I think Judah calls out rightly in a lot of these situations is most of these totals are based on past performances and how a team will play maybe in an upcoming game might not be a true, you know, mean of what their past games have looked like. To me, that is the case here for the Chiefs and the Bills, right? They haven't really had to lay their quarterbacks on the line. Um, and in this situation, I would anticipate that, that both of them do. Thank you, Brian. I work hard on this. Okay. This is, this is, this is what I do. All right. Uh, not a lot of bets on the board, um, but I think props are an interesting way to attack this. Are there any props that come to mind in the other games um, that we didn't get a chance to, to talk about? Kittle, I think someone in the chat mentioned it, but obviously you need to see what the numbers are. But Kittle, I think, is a great matchup. Um, yeah. Um, let me track. I, I think one of them that I thought about that I bet earlier this year was Lamar under rushing. And I didn't bet it against the Texans, but, um, you know, when – so his props 51 and a half. Yeah, it's kind of low. All right, never mind. <laughs> Ignore that. Yeah. Um, be interesting to see what Nico comes out at. He's 82 and a half on FanDuel right now. Yeah. I mean, he's been so red hot, but I, I do think that's where, you know, that's where Baltimore is is particularly savvy. Um, so so an under there is, is interesting. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, the, the point about Kittle makes a lot of sense. I also, this has the makings or the feelings of a uh, of a Debo game to me for San mm -hmm. Francisco, um, just in the way that they can take advantage of Green Bay. I think they will really work on getting Green Bay moving laterally, um, as they have done in the past with great success. I think that, that spells success for uh, for Debo. So he's one that that I think is interesting as well. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, that is our show. Uh, great Monday night episode. We'll be back on Wednesday evening. Judah will join us. Hopefully he's saved his 500 K hit to share with us on, uh, on Wednesday night. Arjun stay warm. Um, I know that you're, you're battling out there. Did you bring, did you like to bring some snow back from Detroit? Put in the <laughs> No, but I brought uh, thermals, and I'm wearing a thermal under my jacket right now and under my pants. That's how cold I am. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's for look for Southern California guys going to the you know the east and the north. It's it's, it's tough out there. It's tough out there. Um, all right, fellas, uh, thank you all for joining. Love y'all. Peace.